I don't seek failure, but I have come to understand that when failure does happen, it is not the end of the world and it is not a reflection on me and my worth. It is something that didn't work out the way I had originally intended. Welcome to the Voted Least Likely Podcast. I am your host, Leah Yard. I'm a high school dropout who accidentally became an entrepreneur. After spending over a decade working minimum wage jobs, having a complete mental breakdown, and losing all confidence in myself, I somehow started a successful jewelry company. I am the least likely person to have ended up in the fashion industry, the least likely person to have overcome crippling anxiety, and the least likely person to have ever had the confidence to share my story. And I know if you are here, you've likely felt something similar. This piece of internet real estate is a place for us to share how we overcame our own obstacles and found a place to thrive, even if it was the last place we ever thought we would end up. We are talking all things related to failure with a little sense of humor on the side. It's time to expose the narratives we tell ourselves and the ones the world places on us. This is the Voted Least Likely Podcast. Welcome, Donna, to the show. If you could give everybody just a little intro on who you are and what it is that you do. Uh, Leah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. It is such a delight and kind of fun for me to be on the other side of the microphone because I host the podcast Fashion Talks and have been a moderator and a radio fashion columnist for many years. So it's such a thrill to be here and uh, be on the receiving end of the questions. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, it must feel very strange actually for you. <laughs> I'm super excited. Like it's, it's a, it, I think it is such a, I mean, it's always such a privilege to be in these sorts of conversations. I'm sure you feel that way as well. So to, to be the, the subject of someone's uh, podcast and interest, it's a, it's a real, it's a real honor. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. So tell us a little bit of how you got to the position of being the host of Fashion Talks and just a little bit of your, I know you have a very layered um, history and work history, but if you could just give a, a little, um, if you can make it brief. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know we're going to talk maybe about pivoting and I've been yes. pivoting and pirouetting my way through my <laughs> professional life, I think, from the from the get go. Um, I have been privileged to have quite a, a unique career trajectory. I have been an entrepreneur. I've worked in public relations. I have worked in live theater. The way I came to podcasting was after I closed Green Beauty and sort of took some time to grieve that experience and process. I wanted to take my entrepreneurial spirit to um, to a new industry and ended up in fashion because fashion and beauty, I have always seen as two sides of the same coin and ended up working very closely with CAFA, the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards, and have done uh, supported their programming and interviewed and mediated panels for a lot of the events that go on in the week leading up to CAFA. That is called CAFA Week. And I loved podcasts. I, it is one of my favorite uh, forms of media to consume. And 
I love clothes and I love fashion and there wasn't really a podcast out there that I wanted to listen to at the time. Now there's many fashion podcasts. It's amazing. Um, so I decided to start one. And that's kind of been emblematic of a lot of how I have moved through my professional life is, uh, is I have just started it. And now here it is four years later. I love it. it. The thing that kind of stands out to me when you talk about that is that you are very intuitive. I feel like you really follow your intuition. Has that, have you always operated that way or did you kind of have to hone that? You know what, that's a really interesting question. And it's something I've been thinking a lot about is especially women being taught to listen and honor and hone that that inner voice that I believe is in is in all of us. And I don't know if I would have described myself as tuned into that in the past. But I think what I was, was um, I think I'm a pretty brave person and stepping out on the ledge um, was not a barrier for me. There were other barriers to be sure. Um, But I think that might be kind of part of it is I've never been afraid to just say, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start it. Good for you. Yeah, it, it really does require bravery. I mean, and just when you talk about pivoting, that in itself requires a lot of courage to know when it's time. Um, I would love if you could share, if you remember kind of the moment when you knew it was time to pivot from green beauty. The reason I think that's important is because after the pandemic, I think a lot of small business owners were really reevaluating what they were doing. And it is such a skill to know when to pivot. And sometimes we hang on too long. Um, And even for myself during the pandemic, I didn't, I wasn't sure, should I let it go? Should I do something else? Um, I'm glad I didn't, but I see other people who did and it was the right thing for them. And it's just so hard to know. So any insight you have on that, I think would really help somebody out there. Well, let me say that, you know, the decision to close Green Beauty and Pivot was very traumatic. It was not easy. It was really emotional. I carried a lot of shame and embarrassment and frustration. Green Beauty, you know, started, I mean, I had the, the beautiful benefit of kind of like first mover advantage. Like when I started Green Beauty out of my basement, um, (laughs) there wasn't really anything, you know, Green Beauty was kind of like a, what? Like this was back in, you know, 2000 and oh my goodness, like 2010 or 11. And I was just looking, I loved beauty. I was a makeup artist at the time and I was looking for products that were were clean and green or as much as they could be then. And that also worked. So I could use them on my, on my clients because a crappy lipstick, whether it's made of organic ingredients or not, if it's a crappy lipstick, no one should use it. It was kind of my, my way of thinking. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> and I had someone who wanted to go into business with me and we got really excited and I thought we did all the right things in terms of having all of those like, you know, hard conversations. And we built a two location full service spa and salon very quickly. And unfortunately, and our relationship, while, um, you know, we're not, we weren't good friends to start with, we have Mm -hmm. not really stayed in touch, but it is not a you know, we took each other to court and things were awful. And it was a very, very, very amicable um, 
dissolving of, you know, that green beauty 2.0, as I would say, because we took it from something that was very small to these locations. And if I could go back in time, that is the moment I wish I had pivoted when our partnership dissolved. Yeah. And that would have been the moment I wish I could have walked away um, or decided to pivot or or move on to something else. Because instead, I decided to shoulder um, everything on my own. There was a lot I didn't know, too much to learn it all at once. And the way I knew it was time to move on is I was miserable. I didn't like going into my own location. I felt heavy and sick and depressed and anxious. And coupled with the fact that we had built these salon spa locations and I neither cut hair nor perform aesthetic services. So I wasn't even a revenue generator in my own business. And it was a really, really, really hard decision. Um, One that I do not regret, but I just like, literally I was sitting on my couch, bawling my eyes out to my husband. And I just thought it's not supposed to be like this. And it was at the end of the year. It was Mm -hmm. like in November. And I thought it's fiscal I, it's time, it's time, it's time to stop. And I didn't know what I was going to do next. And I like sold everything out of there. By the end of that January, I had to like negotiate getting out of a lease. Like I pulled the shoot. I don't know if that's what I would recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure there's a more thoughtful, strategic way to go about it. Um, But it was what I had to do. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned earlier that there was a grieving process. So the other thing is, you know, when you're going through that, you can only plan and, you know, do the right thing um, as much as you can when you're in that state. Like I I can't imagine how emotional that was. Um, But congratulations for doing that. Because again, I think we tend to hang on to things longer than we should a lot of the time. Um, and just knowing when it's enough. But again, because you were feeling those sensations in your body, you're feeling that unsettledness. I mean, you just, you have to know, you have to know that, that that's, that's it. And I think we do have that inner sense of knowing. I yeah. really, really do. Yeah. And I think as I reflect upon it now, as we're talking, because I hadn't been listening it had to get louder and louder and louder to the point where it yeah. was this like cacophony of drums and cymbals and <laughs> anxiety going, you've got to do something different. Yes. You've got to. Yes. Well, and that's the thing too, because you always think of, um, you know, especially during the pandemic where there was a lot of external things going on. And so it's easy to chalk things up like, oh, well, you know, we're in a pandemic or blah, 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 and all that. And of course that is the thing, but then knowing how to know what's internal and what's external, which that in itself is a skill, but as you're saying, how things manifested in a way that physically (laughs) just your body is rejecting it at this point. And you hear so many times of, 
you know, business owners getting ill, like they just let things go too long. And it's your baby when you start something, right? Like you build this thing and it takes so much to get it to a point. And then having that let go and, and you know, needing to, um, yeah, move on and, and, and grieve it is, yeah, so good for you to, to do it. Well, and I think for me as well, and I was so grateful I had closed before the pandemic. Oh my goodness, my heart goes out to business owners of any size that weathered that storm. Um, but I had a lot of ego wrapped up in that business. And I think that was what clouded my judgment in terms of listening to that inner voice and what was a lot of the part of the of the grieving and the moving through the aftermath and deciding what to do next. Yeah, it's funny. I've always said, well, I shouldn't say always. I've said since I've started my business that entrepreneurial, that journey is personal development 101. Like it, it, it really is. And that ego is part of it because it's hard. You need that in a sense because you kind of need to create something. You're building something bigger than yourself. So you kind of have to hold these two ideas of having this thing that is ego-based in a sense, but then also being removed from it so that you don't go down with a ship or you know you don't make decisions that are inappropriate because you're wrapped up in it. Um, I, I had to really struggle. work on understanding that my self-worth had nothing to do with the success of my business. Oh my God. I really hope people hear that. I really, really hope people hear that. Yeah. That's I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to hear that. <laughs> we all need to hear it more than once. We yeah. are worthy regardless of what we are or are not achieving out there. Yeah. So when you made that shift, did you, because it, it's such an emotional transition. Was there a period of time after that where you struggled with imposter syndrome, just kind of going to the next thing? Or did you, because I know you've got that courage piece, but there's always that sense of your identity shifting kind of in a, in a sense. Oh, not even kind of. Absolutely. I definitely went through a phase of, you know, being fairly like quite reclusive. I mean, I'm a I'm an extrovert social person. Like I like to be out there. And uh there was a long period of time where I didn't want to go anywhere because people would look at me with like, you know, a smile and say, "What are you working on now?" Yeah. Yes. Or, and, you know, what is going to be my next thing? Is it going to be the right next thing? Yes. Is it going to be, you know, the next thing better, like do really well? Cause this, this thing didn't do well at all. Mm -hmm. Like there was so much wrapped up in, you know, what the next thing was going to be, uh, that it took me a really, it took me a really long time. I didn't, I didn't go out. Some of it was really necessary and really beautiful. You know, I, sat in a lawn chair and read the goldfinch at my mother-in-law's cottage and hadn't like had that kind of stillness in a really long time. Um, I got to spend more time with my young kids. Mm -hmm. I, you know, reconnected with things I really liked, like cooking and stuff like that. So, you know, with every fallow season, there is a growth, you know, yeah. um, it's not easy when you're in the moment. No. Um, 
But yeah, it was, it was total imposter syndrome and syndrome hardness. And again, because of that, for me, it was that ego piece that what are people going to think? What am I going to do? How will they perceive what I'm doing next? What about this? And I was so fortunate with Green Beauty because I was, you know, one of the first, maybe some people, my PR person at the time would have said the first, I think I was maybe one of the first, um, to put that perspective of beauty out there as an online boutique in Canada, I had lots of wonderful media and sparkle and all of this attention, which was great, but it made the shift that much harder. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah, I um, again, it was something that I've I've just thought a lot about it because again, you want to, as long as you're still building it and there's fulfillment in it, that's great. But it is very hard to separate the two. Um, you know, if you are building something, separating that from your life and having that. I mean, I hate using the word balance because I I don't know that there's really such a thing when it comes to building a business, but um, finding at least some kind of system that works so that you can be a full, healthy person. <laughs> And, well, and you know what? It's funny you say that about balance because I agree with you. I don't, I don't like when people talk about balance. I think that's an unattainable um, goal or even concept. The way I decided to look at it was that life is a braid, and we have a section that's career, and a section that's self, and a section that's relationships, and a, you know, and a, and a section that might be, you know hobbies or spirituality, and we are constantly weaving them together. And each piece needs to be brought into the weave or it gets left out there dangling and isn't supported by the other pieces. And that is the way that I choose to reframe this concept of of balance, that it's not a balance, it's a weave. Oh, that's beautiful. I've never heard that before. That's really beautifully said. And it's a visual that makes more sense. Because I think when we say balance, we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure, because then we feel bad that we don't have balance. <laughs> I don't think it's even possible, really. Like, right? And Absolutely. Sometimes when we weave, like if, if you envision each one being a color, you know, maybe the red of family is a more um, dominant color in your weave for a little while because you have an aging parent or you have brought children into your life in some way or you are in a new relationship. So it's going to take a bit more dominance. And then other times, maybe your career color, maybe it's purple and it's a little more dominant because you're, you know, trying something new professionally or you are in a new job or trying something new. So they can, they, they're not all in equilibrium. They are in support of one another. Yeah, very well said. This show is sponsored by our very own company, Leah Yard Designs. Leah Yard Designs is a jewelry brand in Vancouver, Canada that specializes in unique, semi-precious pieces. The designs are meant to be mixed and matched to celebrate the wearer. We love fashion juxtapositions, which is why you will usually find me in ripped jeans and a ton of gold jewelry. Our goal is to add glamour to every day. Our most popular design is our Zodiac necklace, which was created to celebrate what makes you uniquely you. 5% of all profits in the jewelry collection are donated to the DEWC, a local charity that helps vulnerable women in Vancouver's downtown east side. You can learn more and shop the full collection at www.leayarddesigns.com. 
www.thisisthecoachingmoment.com. Because you are so wise and now you've had time to look back. No, no. And you've had time to look back at your career in green beauty. What is some advice you would give somebody who's either just starting out or they're at that place where it's, they're not sure, should I pivot or, cause you know, there's all that stuff out there saying just toughen up and, and push through and all that. And sometimes you have to do that. But again, how do you know? I think there are three things. Um, I think as, you know, kind of practical entrepreneurial things to think about is being an entrepreneur is kind of like driving a car. And the really exciting part is looking at the horizon and where you're going. But if you aren't ever looking at your dashboard, you're going to like burn your engine out of oil, you'll run out of gas. But if you're only staring at the dashboard, and watching how much gas you're burning, then you're going to careen off the road and end up nowhere where you're going. So there's always that balance of looking into the distance as to where you want to go and at your dashboard to make sure that your day-to-day is kind of in check. And then you have the real opportunity when you are doing both those things, then you can really be aware of, oh, that's an interesting fork. Maybe it makes sense to go there. Do I have enough gas? Oh, do I need to pull over and rest? So that is kind of my analogy for how to manage entrepreneurial perspectives. Um, I think The other piece, and this is going to sound so cliche, but I guess they're just, you know, cliches because there's such truth in them, I think, is you are not your business, your worth, your um, deservingness, your point of being here, your purpose is not your business. It can be a very, very big part of that, but there is some detachment that I feel is important so that the ebbs and flows, which will be inevitable of success and challenges, remain that of the businesses and not something you internalize as a reflection of yourself. Because your your worthiness, your... your, um, status as a human doesn't change. The business is what ebbs and flows. I feel like I have a lump in my throat from that. <laughs> oh, and I know I said three things and that was just two, but you no, know what? But there, Those that, are the no, two. <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I, um, it's funny. I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to get more into sort of woo woo stuff. Cause I come from a very practical family and it's mm-hmm. funny. Cause as you start you know, trying to teach yourself these kinds of things. There's a lot of magic out there we can't explain. Um, But I feel like you came into my life for a reason. And I feel like this, yeah, thank you for saying that because I I needed to hear that as well. I'm going to replay that to myself later. (laughs) And and I don't mean to suggest it's easy, but it is simple, right? Like I think we conflate easy and simple thinking they're synonyms and they are not. Lots of simple things are really, really hard. Yes, yes, 100%. What does success mean to you? Oh, you know, this is something I've been thinking a lot about, Leah. Like, I've been thinking a lot about success and 
and and worth. And this has been like one of my journeys. Like I was a comparison junkie and this, you know, cultural Catholic has really embraced a lot of a lot of woo um, because I can <laughs> appreciate that it's not just like think positive and the world will unfold around you. You still have to have action. You still need to have clarity and considered action. Um, so I'm with you on the woo part. Um, but success for me now is much more rooted in how do I feel, not what have I done? And don't get me wrong. I love doing stuff. I <laughs> love accolades. I do shine the spotlight upon me, please. I quite like it there. However, that is, you know, I did a lot of work during the pandemic around what is my purpose? You know, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? This big word purpose that is supposed to bring clarity to everything. I'm a Capricorn, right? Like, tell me what to do and <laughs> I will be the best student of that thing you have ever seen. I love it. And I think I was listening to a podcast and the the guest said, what if our purpose is to be the best version of ourselves? And that really resonated with me because then all of a sudden what I did could ebb and flow and change and grow and evolve. And it wasn't about just being the one thing, like discovering what the one thing is. Yeah. Success is understanding for me the, the growth and the path that all of our individual lives are. And I carried a lot of embarrassment for a long time about how many times I'd pivoted. And, you know, my husband is one of those people who, you know, went to school, did the thing, has had the career and has had a very straight line. Oh, one of those. And I used to really <laughs> envy that, you know, and you'd hear, you know, Hollywood stars talk about how they always knew that they wanted to be an actor and that's all they did and they didn't go to school. And, and I used to really envy that kind of singular understanding. And what I have now come to embrace is that's just one perspective. And I may have the like, you know, throw a bunch of things up in the air and see what order they fall in approaches to things. But that has its own beauty and its own path and its own purpose and its own growth. And if I don't fight it, then all the more blessings and opportunities and wonders will prevent them present themselves. Yeah. Um, that is so beautiful. And what I love about that is that it completely takes the pressure off, but it still you're still holding yourself to a standard. And I think that's what's so important about, yeah, when people talk about um, purpose and fulfillment, as long as you are striving to be the best and that best will change, that target will change, that journey will change. But if you always have that standard, I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong because you're, you're meeting the standard. It doesn't matter what the roadmap is. And I think, yeah, we do get hung up on we're supposed to follow this very black and white outline that either we put on ourselves or culture or parents or or whatever. Hundred percent. And I'm just like you. I I never I never thought, oh, I'm gonna be 
this a business owner. I mean, I'm the last person. The show is called Voted Least Likely. Like, <laughs> the last person that should be in the fashion industry and and building a business. I'm I am not. That is not what I thought when I was little. I didn't really know. And, you know, I do remember peers just they knew what they wanted to do. They were going to go to school and do this thing. And they followed through. And I I can really relate to what you said, how you feel jealous, because it seems so simple. And again, not to say it's easy, but it seems simple. It's it's just laid out for them and you just do these steps and you'll get there. Um, I do think things are changing now where lots of people are pivoting. It, it It is less common to do that now, be in a place for, you know, your whole life still happens, obviously, but it, lots of people now do pivot. And I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I mean, it, it depends on the personality, but you, you gain so much, right? And again, as long as you've got that standard on yourself, then you will have purpose. You will have fulfillment in what you're doing because you're just going to be your best version in this little niche now. So well, and I would, I would even, you know, nudge you a little bit and say, let's even take the word standard out of it. Because a standard implies a hierarchy of achievement, right? Like we have high standards and low standards when really let's just flatten that and say, you know what, all we're doing is, 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 is trying. All we're doing is moving forward because a standard that's high today could be low tomorrow. And whose standards are they anyway? You know, I think it's about that inner, that inner voice. And Hey, like I am still the, like, you know, I still jump on that comparison wheel every once in a while and like shoulda, woulda, coulda, and have I done everything I'm supposed to like, this is an, it's a constantly evolving mindset. I think, um, I feel like I've just strengthened my reframing muscle Mm -hmm. so that I don't get caught up in the spin of that hamster wheel so quickly. Cause I think it's about, it's about giving ourselves the grace to listen to our inner voice. And that's not a standard. That's a, Mm. that's a direction. Yeah. That that's a good, a good way to put it. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to feel good about who you are when there's no one else around, when there are no accolades, when there is no blue check mark on social media, when there, you know, all of that stuff. So I think as long as you are living authentically who you are and doing your best, that, that is the, I think for me, I would use the word standard in my own mind, just because that's, that's my Mm -hmm. standard for myself, but um, it's your value. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to, to pivot here, speaking on pivoting, why is fashion so important to you? Because I know you you have always loved it, but what is it about it that makes you light up? Because when you talk about it, your face just beams. <laughs> I love fashion. And I am not a designer follower per se, although I could totally ramble on about some of the amazing, amazing creative talent we have in Canada. I love fashion because the clothes we put on our body are a tool for so much empowerment and self-confidence. They are a tool for giving you fuel throughout the day. And it doesn't matter how much the clothes cost. It doesn't matter where they came from. When we look at ourselves in the mirror and something gives us that lift 
that allows us to feel that little bit of surge of, yes, I can. And I truly believe clothes are a big part of that. And anyone who tells me they don't care, I will challenge them and say, why? Like, let's unpack that a little bit because they are meaningful. I used to love watching the show, What Not to Wear. Oh Stacey my God. London and Clinton. I loved oh, that show. And too. she's so great on social media now. She's like become yep. this like menopause, you know, activist. I love it. Um, but the reveal was always my favorite part because these people saw themselves in a way that made their face light up. And yes, of course, they had a professional do their hair and makeup, and that is wonderful. But do you love color? Do you like feeling how your clothes fit on your person? Do you know, are you like, I remember I interviewed Gigi Gorgeous for fashion talks and she was so generous with talking about as she was transitioning from small town new market ontario to you know trans model activist youtube sensation in la and we talked a lot about just like little differences like where the shoulder seam sat on the clothes that she would wear when she was a teenager and how maybe that like little bit of femininity gave her, and this was before she, she transitioned when she was still quite young. Like it mattered. Miles Sexton talks about the same thing, you know, about how, you know, when, when he was growing up in small town, Nova Scotia, there would be a pair of earrings that he wore that just made him feel so like yourself. And that's part of intuition, right? What are the things that make you feel like yourself? And so, so often clothing is something that we can use to do that. And it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't matter where you buy them. And sometimes it might be something where you're like, I don't know, I just put on my pants and my t-shirt hangs over them and then I don't know what to do. And there are so many resources now to just say, play around, like yeah, play around, try tucking it in, try tucking it in at the front, try wearing it a size larger or two sizes smaller. Like it is, it is this low risk tool to use in the privacy of your own home before you take it out in the world to say, how do I feel in this? How do I feel in this? It that matters. Is, that is such a joyful way of describing it. I love that. And it, it is unbelievable what it does. I got news the other day. It was an opportunity to do something that I've never done before. And it was really, oh, that's exciting. It was really scary. And just when you said that about clothes. So when I got the email. I was in my ratty. <laughs> um, it's my, it's my, I think like my uncle's t-shirt or something. It's got holes that see through ratty, my boyfriend's boxers. I was unshowered and I just felt so unglamorous. And I got this email and it was for this opportunity and, and this big thing. And I could tell that I felt, oh, I'm not ready based on what I was wearing. Do you know what I mean? Because I was yeah. looking at this opportunity and picturing this person <laughs> sitting there in this ratty little outfit in that opportunity. And well, obviously that's not what I'm going to wear. Right. But um, I, it's one of those things that had I been 
I know had I been dressed properly for work, makeup on, the clothes I want, jewelry on, of course, feeling better, I would have responded differently. I still said yes to it. I'm still doing it. But I, I would have felt more confident in saying yes, just based on because I got the email and I looked down at myself and it was like, well, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so it's, it isn't just, it, it's one of those things. There's been a few moments in my life where something like that has happened and then vice versa, where I felt, you know, you feel put together and you feel better. And then something has come along and it's like, yeah, of course, no big deal. And then you realize later, like, oh, had I not been, you know, having a, a good day, feeling good. Um, and wearing something nice or feeling good in how I how I was dressed, um, my response would have been different. And I just aggressively agree with what you're saying, how people who say, you know, they don't, it doesn't matter or whatever. And I come from a family that's very like that, very practical. Fashion is not something, it's seen as very frivolous in my family and mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. not something you would spend time or money on. Mm -hmm. And when I... And I get it because when you look at it surface value like that, I understand like that there's an argument to be made there. Sure. But as to to point at what you said as well, it's that feeling. It doesn't really matter whether it's practical. If it makes you feel good and makes you feel better and makes you be a better version of yourself or or your more true version of yourself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what does it matter, right? And it's something, I mean, we can track historically how fashion has been used to liberate, to oppress, to empower, to diminish. It is, you know, something that, yes, there's certainly this um, external presentation that has come with like social coding, depending on what part of history you look at and where in the world. It has class implications, all of these things. To be sure, it's one of those interesting elements where it has external power and discussion and internal power and discussion. And both are incredibly interesting to me. But what I love about it is it's something that it's it's a creative tool we all interact with every single day. And if it didn't matter, there wouldn't be so many amazing designers and entrepreneurs and makers and artists and creatives and business people and politicians that understood the how and the why to harness this thing. Yeah. And even those who, who think they're not participating in it, they are participating in it <laughs> because even I think of people who say they don't care, you know, they don't care about fashion, but then you can tell the way they dress is to prove that to the world. Mm -hmm. They kind of yeah. dress in a way of like, I'm so comfortable that I don't need to do that. So it, it is a statement. And we are very visual creatures. We also have so much subconscious stuff going on. This is part of how we communicate, how we show up and how we dress and present ourselves. Um, so it just it's just so interesting to hear your perspective on that because you are such an admirer of fashion, but I know that you also understand the importance it has in our day-to-day -day life. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I want to make it really clear that I don't mean going and spending a lot of money that you may or may not have on clothes. It is about really, I think, listening to how you feel when you wear what you have in your own closet 
and maybe altering or shifting or experimenting with what you may add or what you may decide to not wear again. And there are so many ways to add clothes to your wardrobe in a free to almost free way, like have a clothing swap with friends, thrift, troll, you know, um, uh, garage sales, like, and more than ever, these things are becoming more and more available. And I love clothing swaps. It's one of my favorites. Get a bunch of friends together. Everyone brings five pieces. Everyone, you know, gets something new. What ends up as nobody takes goes to one of your local charities, like wham, bam. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be so serious. You know, it's dress up. We're playing dress up. Like we're, <laughs> and you don't have to find, I think people get really, um, again, put themselves in a box. Like this is my style and this is what I like, or maybe someone told them they should wear something or whatever. But again, it is that self-expression of expressing who you are, truly who you are, just have fun with it. And we all change stuff that I wore last year. I wouldn't wear this year, you know? It's... Yeah. And maybe it's jewelry to your point. Maybe you know, there is a, there is a particular earring or a particular pendant or a ring that whenever you wear it, you'll feel it. Like you'll feel your energy shift. It's, it's 1000% jewelry for me. That's exactly it. As soon as you put it on, right. You just feel, and when you talk, I, I don't when I'm on the show cause they're too clinky, but I usually have all my rings and I like when I talk and you can hear them. And it's just that added level of sparkle and expression and fun it's fun absolutely yeah I love that um so tell me about podcasting I would love to hear what your what your favorite part is because I know there's lots to listen to out there and each has its own niche and purpose um you are such a phenomenal interviewer I love listening to your show it's it's I mean that's how I first started stalking you (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you're so articulate. You're such a good listener. You really honor the guest. And I know you really consider the audience as you are interviewing. Um, is it just because your experience that you got into it or was it, um, like, what is it that you love about it? Cause I know you are, uh, I know you really enjoy doing it and it's very obvious you enjoy doing it because you're so good at it. Oh, thank you, Leah, for those kind words. You just made my day. Um, I think part of what I love about it, apart from the privilege of hearing other people's stories, because I think everyone is interesting. I think we could use more of this understanding and appreciation that you don't need to be famous to have an interesting story or to learn something from someone. Love that. I love the longer form of content that podcasting presents itself with just by the nature of it. I love that you can get a little bit more niggly, a little bit deeper. Um, part of the thing that I always think about when I'm when I'm doing my interviews is, and I tell my guests this, is say, I don't want something someone could Google and find out about you on the first page. Like this is our chance. And I see, I often get asked, what is the difference between an interview and a conversation? And 
I would say for me, the definition is I see conversations as collaborative. I'm not here to catch you in some sort of gotcha investigative journalist moment. Interviews are far more one-sided where the interviewer has a goal that they are trying to achieve through their subject of the interview. Um, I see a conversation as being more collaborative. Um, and I think it is, you know, being a good listener. I think there is a muscle that you hone where you are thinking in the past, present, and future all of the time, because you need to be thinking about where you want to go in the conversation. I always have a very um, clear idea as to what I want to talk about and a bit of a roadmap of how I'd like to get there. I'm listening in the present so that I I can react to things as they come, thinking about that roadmap. And then I also need to remember what we've already talked about or make sure we don't repeat things. So there is this, um, there is a muscle of kind of being in all those different phases of the conversation at once. And I think that is something that I can feel when I'm talking to someone, I'm very aware of, of being alert in all of those phases of the conversation. Is that a skill that you, do you think you naturally had that skill or do you think you've built that skill? That's a really good question. Because you're I a very said, curious person, I think, by nature. I think the think curiosity help. definitely helps. I think, you know, it's not something I ever took in school. I think, you know, maybe it's my you know, pirouetting, pivoting path. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that maybe allowed me to to hone some of that. Um, but I definitely think it's something that everyone can, you know, uh, learn to do and and master. It is. It's like anything. It's practice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It it is hard. And I. When I started the this show, I thought, oh, I'm never going to have guests. That was my, it was just going to be me yammering on about failure and who's going to listen to it anyways. <laughs> and um, and then, you know, you tell enough failure stories and it's like, well, I should maybe hear someone else's story <laughs> one of these times. Um, but I was really nervous to do the inter interviewing because I, I get wrapped up. And as you're saying how you have to think about, you know, what you said, what you haven't in that and I love listening to people, but it's that having that tab open while they're talking to know that you have to still be directing, directing things. Um, obviously, this show is, is very conversational and we just sort of chat. I obviously think about I don't want to be wasting your time or anyone who's listening their time as well. Um, but yeah, it is a skill and it, it's taken a long time for me to navigate it. And I mean, the there's no quicker way to learn is when you have to edit things and listen to yourself ramble on. <laughs> oh my. And you, you say something Leah that I think is so important as you've mentioned the audience a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I think there are always three parties in any podcast interview. There's the person asking the questions, the person answering the questions and the person listening to that exchange. And if you don't, respect and understand the importance of each of those three 
components, then it won't be as, I'm going to say successful for lack of better terminology, but it won't be as juicy and engaging a discussion as it could have been. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I I know with your show, with Fashion Talks, the same thing. You're looking to make impact, right? Like you're looking to share stories and and have purpose in the show. There are other shows which their purpose is just to kind of have on in the background. It's just kind of girl talk or or whatever, you know, and that's fine too. But I'm same with me. My goal is to, I want to have impact. I want to make a difference. I want to, um, my goal with this show is to make people feel less alone on their journey, whatever that may be. Um, for me, it's entrepreneurial, but if you're a new mom, I, I'm, you know, I still think you could get something from this in that it's relatable, talking about pivoting, talking about having courage, talking about grieving something. These are all aspects that as humans we can relate to. So it's finding that you got to find your niche and find what makes sense. Um, but yeah, I just, when I listen to fashion talks, I always feel, I mean, I love fashion obviously, but it's, it's juicy. As you say, it's, it's got well, meat to it. <laughs> and, and I love that you are talking about failure in your podcast, because I think failure is something we need to learn to like, it needs rebranding and Mm -hmm. it needs to be something that we embrace. There's a really cool organization called, um, effed up nights. It's an international organization. And when we, and it's stories of entrepreneurs telling their failures, because if we look at the definition of failure, it talks about growth and learning And we as a society, I think, have taken it to mean this like bottom of the barrel, worst thing possible when all a failure is, is an attempt that didn't garner the results that you were thinking was going to happen. Like if scientists were afraid of failure, we'd have we'd have no electricity, we'd have no vaccines, we'd have no medicine, like we'd have so much of a lack of what we have because these things don't happen on the first try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we attach so much shame to it. And I, and I think that's what stops people and there is nothing. I mean, you will learn so quick. If you fail, you will learn so quick. It's just the fastest way. Those lessons really stick. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think about the time that I ordered 3000 business cards with a typo. I will never send anything to print without, (laughs) without double checking, you know, And it was an expensive lesson, but I'll never do that again. (laughs) Well, and that's such a beautiful reframe because what is a lesson other than a failure we just don't put so much magnitude on? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I love that. That was actually going to be my next question was, was what do you, well, I like to ask when you hear the word failure, sort of what do you think of? Um, is there something that comes to mind for you? Because I still, as much as I try to romanticize it now, I still feel that when I hear that word, it still has a a ping to it and you still feel it in your tummy, right? It doesn't feel good. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, do not get me wrong. I do not seek failure. I do not like it. (laughs) It is not my preference. Um, I have come to accept it as a valuable part of life, but I don't like eating broccoli either, but I do sometimes, (laughs) right? So 
it is an inevitable part of life. And so that's been one of my big kind of like reframes for myself is failure is not something to work to avoid. It's inevitable. You may not know where it's going to come. So all you can do is, as we were saying, is your best, is whatever the best is that day. Yep. That Because failure is going to happen somewhere. Yep. You don't know where, but it's going to happen somewhere. So, you know, failure for me now is like, it's a very unpleasant, bitter pill, but I have a much deeper understanding of the growth and the benefits that come from it, as opposed to running scared from it and trying to work to avoid things. And certainly I saw green beauty as one of my biggest failures. I wanted that business to be a, you know, global, big deal, like big spotlight, big, big, big deal. And it was not that, but I have really come to understand that that doesn't mean it was for naught, that wherever we are is exactly where we are supposed to be, that we have wounds and traumas and lessons that we're constantly learning that end up impacting and manifesting in our lives in very different ways that seem utterly unconnected. And then maybe upon some reflection, or you don't know what's going to make that little inner voice say something to you and you go, oh, goodness. All right. All right. Understood. Heard. Heard. I will do differently. Um, So I don't seek failure, but I have come to understand that when failure does happen, it is not the end of the world and it is not a reflection on me and my worth. It is something that didn't work out the way I had originally intended. And that's just a part of life and trying to work against that happening is far more painful and does not reap as many flowers in the garden of life as understanding that when it happens, you can manage it. And I think actually that's probably the big thing is I think part of why so many people fear and try to avoid failure is because somewhere we have a fear that it'll break us, that we won't be able to manage it and we can manage it. I love that. You're, you're hitting my woo woo muscle here. (laughs) Yeah. As I said at the beginning, I just, I feel like I'm so grateful to have met you and I'm so grateful for the work you're doing and sharing stories and your journey allows you to be more empathetic and that's huge. And we need more of that. Um, Thank you, Donna. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom for being my woo woo sister today. (laughs) I I love being your woo woo (laughs) sister today. We're slowly edging in together. Just got to get our toes in there. 
Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more, if they want to tune in and hear your beautiful voice on the show? Where is the best way to hunt you down? The best way to hear my voice is uh, listening to Fashion Talks, all one word, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And you can, I promise to start posting a little more regularly. That's one of the things I need to work on on uh, Instagram at Fashion Talks Pod. And you can find me, uh, this is Donna B, just with the letter B at the end. And I love hearing from people. So if people want to get in touch, it would be uh, my privilege to hear from you. Amazing. Thank you so much. You are so welcome, Leah. Thank you so much for being here. I really hope this episode gave you a boost of encouragement to follow your own path, even if it's a little unruly or has a few more weeds than you expected. I would love if you could share this with somebody important to you. We never know who needs a boost. If you'd like to learn more, you can find me at www.leayard.com. And if you want to see a little more behind the scenes, you can connect with me on Instagram at leayard. And now I will leave you with this. We all have more in common than we do not. Be kind when you can. Judge less, less often, and never, ever underestimate your own potential. I'll see you next week.